Hello and welcome to Dunktown, the podcast where we learn about basketball one game at a time. I'm Anastasia. And I'm Agata. And today we have an extra special guest. You know him from The Righteous Gemstones on HBO and Shrink on Hulu. It's Tim Baltz. Hey, returning champ. Yay! (laughs) You get your second ring today. (laughs) Uh, Next time it's a jacket. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Well, you can tell that I just finished watching the last episode of Last Dance. It's... (laughs) We all did. We all turned off our TVs and turned our computers on. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for having me on. Thanks for coming back. Um, Yeah, last time we had you, I think it was before Righteous Gemstones aired. Yeah. um, Which feels like forever ago now, but that show is so funny. I love it so much. Oh, thanks. We were, we had gotten two days into filming before everything got shut down. Oh, for the next season? Yeah. Damn, Damn no. that sucks. No. I know. Damn you, coronavirus. <laughs> I know. I know. It was like a weird mad decision, like, should I stay there or try to mad dash it back? And I ended up coming yeah. back. Yeah. Where does that oh, film? I'm glad you did. Uh, Charleston, South Carolina. Oh, wow. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think the last time you were on, you had not started filming yet. Yeah, you were gonna. You were about to go out there. Yeah. It was either right before or right after the pilot, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, how is it out there? Had you, like, been there before shooting? Uh, I'd been, uh, I'd done the pilot there in the summer of 2018. And I'd been there once before, I think, with Second City. I'd been there on tour, but really maybe just for, like, a lunch stop or something like that. Um, and I remember thinking, oh, this is cool. And people said, it's like Savannah it's like a weird combination of Savannah, Georgia and and New Orleans. And Mm -hmm. I've been to those other places. So I thought, Oh, you know, I might like this. There's a cool theater down there um, called theater 99 that has great improv. And, uh, and then, and then once I got there, like the food scene, literally it, honestly, it rivals New York and LA. There's some unbelievable restaurants there. I've heard that. That's, that's awesome. I want, I've never been, I want to visit, um, how's your, how's yeah. your quarantine going so far? It's, it's all right. <laughs> I mean, it's not, it's not good. Uh, I, I hesitate to say that it's good for anybody and, yeah. and losing work is, is tough. And, but you know, I'm grateful that we're in the situation that we're in and, and just trying to support family and friends from our quarantine and, and make sure that everyone's okay. That's kind of slowly become part of the routine. This Last Dance has been a great part of the routine. I think next Sunday, I'll I'll feel the void of it. Oh, I know. I'm I feel the same way. Like it's been such a nice little addition to my weekend, um, and helps me tell what day it is too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. How how have your quarantines been? It's been okay. Yeah, I, it, lots of anxiety and stress, but you know, just managing as best I can and. I think this show has helped doing the podcast has helped a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I'm working a lot. So that, that helps to like kind of distract from everything. <laughs> um, and then just like, we have like a group of friends that like are just like helping each other out and like shopping for each other and like bringing stuff. And so that that part's nice. We just have like a support group. Oh, that's great. And your families are okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, I. I, I mean, <laughs> yeah, they're they're not always like uh, like my family's in Arizona, and Arizona's like already opening back up, and like definitely feeling worried. But everyone's been healthy more or less so far, except for like weird illnesses. Uh, Like my brother-in-law got Bell's palsy where like half of his body was paralyzed. Oh my gosh. And it's like, why did this happen right now? I think it's it's stress related. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, that is stress related. Um, Yeah. My parents moved to Florida, (laughs) which is not. Yeah. I wasn't happy about that, but (laughs) what can you do? it's odd how like the stress and anxiety just uh hey they hit different right now <laughs> you know <laughs> but but i feel like oddest- i'm the parent and my my parents are the teenagers that are like trying to like you know sneak yes. out and smoke pot <laughs> yeah yeah by, by like my mom came around pretty quickly but there were there was like a week where you know i'm not normally in a position where she's very responsible. Uh, again, I'm talking to her. I'm talking to you about her like she's a kid. Um, <laughs> she's very responsible. I trust her. Uh, but she's a she great gal. Great gal. Yeah, great gal. Um, we're so proud of her. Uh, but I'm I'm not usually the the kind of son who's like sending articles and being like, please read this. You know. Yeah, um, totally. And I found myself for the first week or two doing that ten times more than I ever have. Yeah. And and, and, and again, like fe- feeling like a parent when she would clearly read them and get back to me about them and give me her thoughts about it. I was like, thank you. Thank you for reading this. I really appreciate it. <laughs> Cause I, you know, I mean, she's in, she's in Illinois, like the, it, the powerlessness that comes from all of this. And then obviously the impending anxiety, um, from reopening before, yeah we're even out of the first wave is, uh, is, is really, it's like mind numbing. It's mind twisting. It's yeah. Totally. Yeah. I think that's like, you know, definitely the fear of being far from family and you cannot go to them. You can't, you can't, you can only help them as like as much as you can from a distance and then on top of that, when they're like not listening to you and not trusting the information you're giving them, it's like just extra anxiety inducing. But hopefully, I'm actually feeling very pessimistic right now, but I'll say hopefully this will uh, end, you know, sooner than I think it will. And, you know, everyone will, will stay healthy. I share your pessimism and I salute your statement. <laughs> I also, can I jump in on the pessimism? <laughs> I just want to be part of the, part of the crew. We can be pessimistic together. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, well, at least we have um, our TV traditions, huh? Yeah. <laughs> it's like the one I mean, thing I have to look forward to or like ordering Taco Bell. <laughs> like yeah. Have you been like, two. Have you been baking bread? Like which way on the food spectrum are you going right now, Tim? We're, uh, we went pretty, we've been paying attention to like kind of supply and demand, you know? So, I mean, I'll just be blunt. Like I, I bought a bidet. Um, Mm -hmm. Nice. (laughs) 
we we took the meat crisis seriously. So we have a freezer full of meat. I think Lily and I communicated pretty well, especially because I was gone for the first two weeks of the craziness and uh, and then came back like a couple days. Eh, I mean, no, I mean, I came back after things were shutting down, especially in L.A., um, but mm-hmm. I wasn't here for like two weeks. So uh, there was a lot of like anxiety and communicating over that. And then um, we both like to cook, but I think that if someone's feeling a bit more stressed, like the kitchen is the place to kind of be in the present and cook and g- mm-hmm. gain a measure of control. So uh, whoever's feeling it the most is usually there. <laughs> there have been like a lot more recipes. To be honest, I, I usually trend a little more vegetarian and we've been having a little bit more meat than, than normal, uh, which is odd. But we made smash burgers the other night. Oh my God. Yum. What's oh, a smash burger? Uh, I'll send you the recipe. I don't know exactly because that's Lily's thing. Um, but her birthday was uh, was last week and she was like, I want burgers. I'm like, oh, okay. Right. So <laughs> we try to grocery shop like every two weeks and um, order stuff uh, to kind of like stretch that out. Mm-hmm. And so she got ground beef and and we got some buns and, you know, pickles and uh, yeah, everything, whatever. A smash uh, burger is just like you literally just like smash it while it's cooking. I th- <laughs> like, yeah, they're in the super pan. thin. Yeah, they're like really, really thin. But have you been to Burgers Never Say Die in uh, on what Glendale Boulevard? I have no, actually we've never talked been there. about going. Yeah, I want to go. Oh, it's so good! It's so good. But these burgers, like this recipe, they make them really, really flat, and then you cook it in a cast iron. Hmm. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> it's really good. And yeah, the the quarantine birthdays are a bummer, <laughs> but now it feels like it's going to be everyone. Everyone who yeah. didn't have their birthday in the first 3 months of the year. I know. I know. Man, I'm I I got mine in just in time right before at the end of February and then did you have a huge rager? <laughs> uh, I had a good day. I told you about that one thing that I can't publicly talk about. Mm-hmm. Which <laughs> oh, is that's a, right. That was your birthday. A good thing. Uh, non-offensive, incredible thing. I, I met my favorite athlete of all time. I can't say anything more than that. Uh, and then I had, I was leaving for Charleston a couple days later. So I had, I had like, you know, six or eight close friends just come over after I got off work that day. And, and, um, it was great. And honestly, I was like, well, that, you know, that's the last that I'll see people. I'll be in Charleston for like four or five months. Uh, yeah. and I won't see people for a while. And so this feels really good. And then I come back and I'm like, well, I won't see people for a long time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> scary. You were, so you were only in Charleston for how long? Uh, like two weeks. Okay. Yeah. Just enough time to get everything that I needed for five months and then be told that we weren't going to be there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You have a nice quarantine beard going. My first beard ever. Really? Wow. It looks good. Well, I always play like such, you know, clean cut characters (laughs) that I've never like had the opportunity as an adult to let it go past like seven or eight days and uh, so we were super bored um, the first couple weeks, and uh, we filmed this trailer for the way back. Uh, 
that's still on our Instagram accounts. Oh, it's yeah, hilarious. I saw, I saw that. It was so good. <laughs> Everyone should go watch it. It's was it on funny. your page or on Lily's page? I think it's on both. We have okay. it on that IGTV part. It's the only IGTV thing that I have. And Ian Abramson, <laughs> the stand-up, had asked us to... Uh, on Twitter, I I don't know if I talked him into doing this Saturday night quarantine, this like SNL by himself. But I was mm-hmm. definitely one of the first people being like, you have to do this because I wanted to see it. And yeah. so he, he asked us to make a video for it. And we were like, yeah, sure. And, and Lily's a great editor. Um, and so we're like, oh, let's do a trailer for a movie or something. And I was like, hey, you got to watch this movie. Uh, yeah, it's I don't know if it's going to be good or bad, but you got to watch this trailer. <laughs> <laughs> and she watched the trailer. And she's Did you like, watch the movie? No. Oh, no. me neither. I, we we, haven't we seen should it? cover it on the show because it looks ridiculous. You should. <laughs> Just Ben Affleck being like, I'm drunk. <laughs> so moody. And all the like, all the press stuff that he did for it, it seems like he's like, I do not want to talk about how like I'm an alcoholic and I'm sober now. I don't want to talk about that. And they're like, so the character is going through and he's like, the character's going through some tough stuff <laughs> with drinking. And you're like, oh, all right. So you, okay. not me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, it's odd though. The movie itself, like that main character seems like a combination of Dennis Hopper and uh, Gene Hackman's characters from Hoosiers. And they just smashed it into one character. <laughs> <laughs> we actually saw him and some of the actors who play his players at a Clippers game. Do you remember that? Agata? That's right. Yeah, we they did. Walked they walked out onto the court and were like <laughs> doing like an interview during like a timeout or something. Whoa. It was really, it was weird. It was dumb. <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of awkward. Everyone's like, cool. Like we want to see some dancing or something right now. <laughs> yeah. Ben Affleck, do a dance for us. <laughs> <laughs> like throw a t-shirt or get off the court. <laughs> yeah. That was the I vibe. Mean, we like, I don't want even want to shade that movie because any basketball movie uh, by the end of I'm like standing and cheering and like wanting to <laughs> like go try to run the fastest mile of my life. But, um, but we had a good time making that. It was a nice project at the beginning of quarantine. Mm-hmm. And then, and then kind of like next thing I knew two weeks had gone by and probably from stress and, and like, you know, depression and anxiety. I hadn't shaved. And Lily's like, I think you have a beard now. And, and, and I like it. I'm like, really? Should I let it keep going? She's like, yeah. And, and I just got a beard trimmer for the first time yesterday. Uh, and it was, it was kind of getting a little wild, a little like, you know, totally off. off I mean, that's, this, this is the time. If you can't do it now, then when? Yeah. Right. You should have Lily, like, do you, if you have a leather jacket or something, like, you should have Lily take some new headshots for you so that you can start playing the, like, rough and tumble characters. <laughs> Legitimately, last night, I was like, hey, wouldn't it be funny if, like, you took some pictures of me and we, pret- we pretended that our neighbor is a photographer and then I just take like the dumbest headshots. And post yeah, them. you need like a leather jacket yeah. for sure, like a bad boy look. Well, she has one, but it'll come up to like my forearm on me. <laughs> so yeah, I might. even better. That's a great idea. I'll give you full credit if this happens. <laughs> I love that. So, uh, so much happens in a week, and we can't possibly cover it all. So we wrap it up in a tidy little segment called "Previously on Basketball." Previously on Ray Donovan. Basketball. 
NBA stars reach consensus on desire to resume the current season in a private conference call. The WNBA season was supposed to start last Friday. NBA game balls will be provided by Wilson as the contract with Spalding lapses. LeBron James hosts a star-studded Graduate Together event for the class of 2020. Spencer Dinwiddie is crowdsourcing his free agency decision with a $24.6 million GoFundMe campaign. Kelly Oubre brushes his teeth in his underwear on TikTok. Giannis loves One Direction. <laughs> Let's see oh Giannis. Boy, those are some good ones. <laughs> it's been yeah, a yeah, good week. Let's see, let's see Giannis, because that really made me smile. This is so cute. Uh, I, I love how he said, This is my shit, and then he didn't know this, the words. <laughs> he tried to sing along. <laughs> Adorable. Love Very him. Very cute. Love him. He did clarify on Twitter later that he is a Harry and Nile guy, not Zane. Same, kind of. Yeah. I mean, I know you can't claim allegiance, but I would I love say... All, I love all of them equally, except for the other two that suck. <laughs> 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 They're all my sons. <laughs> also, let's go ahead and see Kelly Oubre in his undies. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> He's just doing his morning routine. It says good morning with the sun on it. He's in his underwear. He's going outside to check on his outdoor vacuum. I don't know what. (laughs) (laughs) Why is that out there? Um, Sorry, Tim, to just spring this beautiful image on you. I'm not sorry. Um, You're welcome. You got to report on the last week, you know? I mean, this is what's happening in the NBA. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Um, If you want to watch any of this stuff, by the way, it's going to be in our show notes. You guys can find links there to any clips. Um, Let's talk about... So, LeBron and a bunch of the top players of the NBA all got together to say, hey, we want to play. We want to keep playing this season. (laughs) Which, um, you know, they're not scientists or uh, experts in anything other than playing basketball. And like, we get that you want to play, but that does that change anything? I don't know. I mean, I know they're powerful, but how powerful can you be? More powerful than a virus? That's a great question. I think there are a lot of people that don't, their understanding of this means that they don't care. You know, they don't fully understand what it is. They feel invincible because they think that it won't affect certain age groups. And uh, it's so what do you I mean, what do you play a whole season in a dome with just these people? But it's way more complicated than just the players. I mean, there's so much support staff that goes into all of this. Exactly. And it's like, what do you cut everyone off off from their families? Like, yeah, it, it does. There's. 
I, I've been thinking about it for a very long time now, and it just doesn't, there's no way that works that, that doesn't put people at risk. So, I mean, I get that LeBron does not want to lose a season um, when he has probably not that many left. I mean, who knows at this point, but you're not, you're not God, LeBron, even though I love you, buddy. I think they also saw how, like, you know, Rudy Gobert didn't have any symptoms. So they were like, it's fine if I get it. And it's like, well, you don't know that because there have been very healthy people who have had very severe symptoms and even have died. So totally, just because they didn't have symptoms doesn't mean that other players wouldn't. And then on top of that, like you're saying, Tim, there has to be security staff there. There has to be coaching staff. Like you're putting those people at risk, which is, I cleaning think. staff, like yeah. wherever they're going to be. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Not to mention like the legal liability that any business, you know, especially one that's that big um, opens themselves up to. Like I, I, I keep wondering about what, how, like how that's going to play out. If someone has due cause to say like, I, I can trace it. I got sick here because this company or this event or whatever Mm-hmm. didn't take the necessary precautions or opened up too soon. I, I mean, I, that's got to be a legal nightmare. It, right, which is for sure. Like a weird way to say like the market actually is not opening up fully right now. The market is actually deciding like in favor of our safety in a weird for sure. way. I don't yeah. know how long that's going to last, but right now it yeah. is. And it's also like, I, f- I feel like the younger players, like some of them are probably don't i mean like look at carl anthony towns and his mom and stuff like there's got to be other players who are like not comfortable with playing but like imagine them saying no when the pressure from all the big boys is yeah, like when Papa we need says, to get back yeah exactly like that makes me like there's got to be players that are feeling weird about it and they're gonna be pushed into doing something they don't want to do it's just bad i mean just the bad situation all around I can't see Adam Silver being like, this is okay, because ultimately he would be the cause of people getting sick and possibly dying, you know, if totally. he okays any of it. Yeah. yeah so, so when does, I mean, wh- why does he let this kind of speculation and hope to continue the season go? Like, like is it just because, yeah. th- is it to give false hope is better than no hope. Like, I don't understand why you let this kind of speculation run loose, given the situation that we're in. I agree. I mean, they should just shut it down without like, yeah. I mean, I think it's money. It's gotta be money. But at this point, it's like, I feel the same way about anyone who has a wedding coming up. Like that's holding out for like, well, maybe it'll be fine by, September it's like no it's not gonna be fun even if even if things start opening up it's not it's not gonna be fine by September in any possible sense of the word like you can't guarantee safety until there's a vaccine essentially you're not gonna want your older family members flying to you or what you know like there's zero way that that's gonna be safe by September right so just accept it we have (laughs) a little goes for you Adam Silver accept it (laughs) We have a little clip of uh, Steph Curry talking to Jimmy Kimmel. Let's see this. I was wondering about, like, when you talk to each other, will we be able to hear that? Will we we be able to hear the trash talk? 
it seems like it could potentially be better without the fans there. It would be raw. Like, uh, I think you, yeah, everybody has like those uh, mics on their jerseys sometimes and, yeah. and they'll play like the inside tracks or whatever. But this would take it to a whole nother level of uh, just pure insanity of what we say on the court, what, uh, you know, that trash talk that happens, even myself taking part in it. Uh, but I think everybody from whether you're on the court, on the bench, all the nonsense, like that might be something that's really appealing from a fan perspective. For sure. I, that's what that's what I want. I love that he had like a bunny rabbit painting behind him. <laughs> <laughs> Was that from you, Anastasia? I sent that to him. <laughs> <laughs> um, this Spencer Dinwiddie thing is pretty funny um, because he did you see this tim yeah <laughs> look at this he put it he made a gofundme for 24 million dollars and he only has 1010 dollars as of this recording <laughs> and oh, kevin no. durant gave five dollars <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's probably just a random person but that it is Kay. funny to think about kevin Kyrie durant logging on and giving five dollars <laughs> yeah <laughs> and Kyrie gave six thanks oh Gabe. <laughs> man i love spencer dinwiddie but this is just like a. Okay. Would you ever do this if we weren't in some weird quarantine? <laughs> right. And you're like, you're asking people, like so many people have lost their jobs and stuff. Like you're asking them to give you $24 million. Yeah. Like what, it, what the money what just the goes to him. It says goes to charity, but still like who, what, what charity? How, why? <laughs> Yeah, it's every, every, like I'm reading this paragraph, every single sentence is <laughs> flawed. I'm simply creating this GoFundMe as my commitment to my previous tweets. Okay, you don't have to. It's still, <laughs> yeah. still a bad idea. Yeah, tweets Please. aren't contracts. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to commit to that. As of now, uh, 2,625.8 Bitcoin is roughly equivalent to all this. Okay, well, that one's not flawed. That's probably true. <laughs> <laughs> if we hit the target, then I will allow the fan base to determine my next team decision and sign a one-year contract with that decision. Wait, so, but then what happens to the money? He keeps the money and gets to determine where he goes for a one-year contract where they pay him that money? He's saying it's all going to charity, but it, like... He says only if he doesn't hit the goal, it goes to charity. Then, oh. Yeah. So, if he does hit the goal... He keeps it and then gets paid by a team that the fans choose. But then what if like 13,000 fans are the ones paying this? How are you going to, what are you just going to do a fan poll? If I give like $200 to this GoFundMe and I pick the Clippers and then someone is like, sorry, like the Blazers went out, I'd be furious. I get to <laughs> Spencer Dinwiddie $200. <laughs> also, it doesn't like, make what any if, sense. What if the Blazers don't want him? And he was like, okay, the fans say I go to the Blazers. And they're like, uh, no, thank you. I'm starting to think the whole thing is a joke. But then what happens to the money? Uh, yeah, no kidding. I mean, there's no way he's going to do it. So he's going to have to donate it to charity. Yeah. Right. I love that that idea, though, that he's like, all right, they pick the Mavericks. And they're like, no, no, <laughs> absolutely not. They're like, we're good, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I really like this cover picture and I like to think he photoshopped it himself. <laughs> it's good. There is like two two images of him in a question mark jersey. 
Those are alter- alternate timelines, like different dimensions <laughs> that he can go into. Kind of, kind of devastating that it says right there before the the paragraph. Spencer Dinwiddie is organizing this fundraiser. Like that's devastating. <laughs> you got too much time, man. Just work out again. Don't do this. <laughs> Someone teach him how to knit or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, banana embarrassing. bread. Banana bread. We've been making banana bread. Oh, oh, yeah. So that's a, yeah, there's a little callback, but he should make banana bread. Dang. Oh, I, yeah. Maybe I'll make some banana bread. Oh, that's yes, so please. Good. That's Gabe's worst enemy. He hates bananas. That's yeah. true. Sorry um, to air your dirty laundry, Gabe. Dang. <laughs> it's okay. Roasted on Maine. um anastasia i will be expecting a piece outside of my door whenever that loaf is done (laughs) um the best thing about agata and i living so close to each other is like every time one of us makes something we like (laughs) deliver a little portion of it um, to each other which is great yeah it's pretty cute and then i i have another friend that lives behind me and every morning she delivers a latte on the wall between us (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's really cute. That's adorable. It's time for another all-star review. This is a segment where we read your reviews that you leave in Apple Podcasts or elsewhere. This one's from Davio13 and it's called Hella Cute. This show rules. They are so funny and entertaining. The show makes me believe in love. Aww. Oh, that's huge. (laughs) Thank you so much. Um, If you want us to read your review, just leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else. Um, And uh, we appreciate everyone. Thank you. We love you. (laughs) Let's get into the last dance. Okay, this drop is a little embarrassing. I'm just saying that in advance. (laughs) (laughs) For who? Girls got some skills. Let's do some drills. Girls got some skills. Let's do some drills. Girls got some skills. Let's play some basketball. Oh my god. That was not amazing. Yeah. What are you talking about? I'm not usually a, you know, DJ. You might not be able to tell. Well, I think <laughs> DJ producer Uncle Gabe is about to hit the streets with his beats. <laughs> <laughs> that was great, Gabe. That it was, was awesome. really good. <laughs> um, what's the what's the Jordan? What's the MJ audio from? Uh, it's all from Space Jam. <laughs> oh right. Oh gosh. I haven't Girls seen Space got Jam. some skills is uh, in reference to the great Lola Bunny. She does have skills. She does. does. And she's hot. <laughs> Ooh la la. I haven't seen Space Jam in so long. Oh man. <laughs> it's so good. You know what I watched? We went through a like a rom com uh phase a couple weeks ago just because we were like, we gotta we need something that's like happy endings and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And um uh it's not it's not a comedy, but we watched Love and Basketball, which is one of oh, my favorite yeah. sports movies. Yeah. Oh my god, it's such a good if you need a good, like, you know, all right, I just need to, like, cry for 20 minutes during a movie while <laughs> we're both watching something, like Love and Basketball. Oh. I love it's that great. movie. Yeah, we watched so it good. for the show maybe, like, a year ago or something. I don't know, but so great good, movie. right? When Huge they play, fan. when they play at the end mm-hmm. for love. So cute. 
That's love. But today we're talking about (laughs) the 10 part docu-series about number 23 of the Chicago Bulls himself, Mr. Michael Jordan, Mr. Michael B. Jordan. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, where was he in this documentary? Why didn't he give his two cents? Oh, I would love that. I would have loved that. He's so Um, handsome. (laughs) Yeah, the the ESPN documentary. Everybody knows what we're talking about. I don't even have to describe it, but... um, Boy, we it just ended tonight, so it's a little emotional because it's been fun to have five weeks of something to look forward to. Yeah, it was nice. As a Bulls fan, it's been really it's been equal parts nostalgic, uh, behind the scenes stuff that I'd never seen before. You know, revisiting like this weird feeling that Jordan gave to like his fans. He just never lost. I I remember like as the for the whole 10 parts, but definitely for this last one, when they talk about the Pacers and, and the jazz series, um, especially the Pacers one like that one, that's the most vulnerable that they, that they were, that they ever were probably the best team that they faced the entire time. No offense to the uh, Western conference finals teams, but uh, they really matched up. Well, like Jalen Rose was running down who was on their team. And I, and I kept thinking like, Oh my God, they're so deep. That team went so deep and they had matchup problems all over the place. But to to relive kind of the anxiety that I felt as a fan and then the invincibility that you also felt as this Jordan fan where you're like, well, but he can't lose because he's never lost. It was it's such an – I've never felt that since. So it's bizarre to revisit it. Yeah, that must – I mean, that must like really put you back in that headspace that you were when you were a kid. Yeah. I, you know, I wasn't really like watching games or anything at that time, but like, did you kind of like have kind of a, I don't know, out of body experience or like a weird hypnosis or something when watching that stuff? Cause I feel like it really puts oh, you yeah. back in that place. I can remember where I was for so many of these moments. Um, it, so, I'll, so I'll like pause it and, and tell Lily, I'll be like, okay, so this, like the three overtime game against the Suns, <laughs> we had stopped by our dentist's house. I had gone to preschool <laughs> with their kids, but I hadn't seen them in a long time because they went to Catholic school and I went to public school. Then my mom was trying to leave before the overtimes were done. And Lily's like, uh-huh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, never mind. I'll just hit play again. <laughs> but like it, it kept coming up. And the uh, also they would, you know, the finals were in the summer and we were out of school. So as soon as a game would end, like I'd be in the neighborhood or at a friend's house going to play basketball outside under the lights, anywhere we we could find a, you know, a court with lights. Um, It was great, man, to be, to be in like junior high and, and high school at that time was, man, I mean, you never get that. Like I, I, I struggle to think of other comparisons of teams that I've watched where, that invincibility, that like, you're so convinced that they're going to win. The only other thing that I can liken it to is I'm a huge Rafael Nadal fan and Nadal at the French Open. That's the only other time where you're like, well, he's not going to lose. Like, yeah. it doesn't matter. Djokovic, Federer, it doesn't matter. He's going to win. And he does. But otherwise, man, I, I don't know. Jordan just always pulled the rabbit out of the hat. Do you think that this documentary is going to solidify his sort of like larger than life, like superhuman status? Or do you think it 
makes him seem more human and less, you know, superhuman, I guess. Well, I'll answer that as quickly as I can, but I'll ask you the same question because you're modern fans. So you're seeing him for the first time and he's definitely a myth, a brand, an icon in your eyes because you're coming to the game, you you know, in, in, in the modern setting Mm -hmm. for me, it definitely humanized him in the way that a documentary where you're asked, you're getting answers from one protagonist and it is like, it's a documentary, but it's also a lot of MJ propaganda. Yeah. <laughs> you know, right. There, there are a lot of parts that as a fan that I looked at and I was like, how do you not show this? How do you not show that? Like, why, like, why doesn't Kukoc get to talk more? Ron Harper gets like one line. Like, these were mm-hmm. massively important figures on that team. Right. Um, was he like a producer on this? Yeah. I mean, okay. I think that he had to sign up. He controls his image and his brand so much. Yeah, I, think, I think he had final say, right? Yeah. So mm. there, that was the dust up with um, Ken Burns, the director, Jason here, or however you pronounce his last name. Right. Um, they had a dust up and then Ken Burns was like, it's okay. I was just talking about documentaries. This is its own thing. <laughs> <laughs> Which yeah, was a, does I not mean, want to fight. <laughs> I, I agree. <laughs> I mean, I personally, I have an issue with um, like biopic movies where the person is either still alive or their estate is the one that's like gets the final say, because I feel like it really changes the narrative of what actually happened. Yes. So like, like I want to know the actual story and not like something that's been filtered through like someone who's trying not to look bad about like a certain situation or glossing over like, like, you know, abuse or like shit like that. (laughs) So that really bothers me on that side. But like with this, I feel like there, I mean, he came out and said before, like, this is going to make people think like I'm a bad guy or whatever. And I didn't really come away from it. Like I am, I did not pay attention to Jordan at all while it was happening. So pretty much everything that was going on that I, that we haven't covered on this show was like news to me. So like, I didn't come away feel like feeling like he was a bad guy. I just felt like he was a very, you know, he gave a shit more than anyone's ever given a shit about anything. (laughs) That was really (laughs) the impression. (laughs) And that he like, I mean, was very intense. Obviously he would like just focus on one guy for like some arbitrary reason to just like crush him and defeat. Um, But I don't know. I mean, it, it showed a lot of sides of him and, I get why I get why it was so important to so many people. Yeah, I think he was, I mean, you're right. Like he's probably the most competitive player to have ever played. He's probably the most motivated player in that he could find motivation in the tiniest slights that are either (laughs) perceived, imperceived, invented, uh, whatever the case is. Yeah. I, he, it humanized him in a way that I, I think because I was a kid when, when all of it was starting, I didn't understand that he was a pioneer in the brand sense, in the right. global icon sense. And media being what it was at the time and maybe him getting protection, although like Sam Smith's book doesn't really protect him, you know, like there were stories, stories just didn't circulate as quickly as they do now. I'm not saying it's the same, but um, like there were definitely like Mark's blemishes on his reputation and and record at the time, but it humanized him in the way that 
I don't think we understood the pressure that he faced, why he was in a bubble, what he was really going through after his father died, because, well, his father was murdered, you know? Uh, I think a lot of people gave undue credence to the rumors about his gambling, that all these things were connected, that his retirement was connected, that his father's murder was connected. It's a crazy amount of pressure. I, I understood his first retirement and baseball way more watching this than I did as a kid. As a kid, it was, it was like an odd novelty that he did this. I, we didn't understand it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I felt like I've understood that for the first time too, for sure. And like, I, to me, it makes sense. Like once you get to that level of fame where the entire world knows who you are, like it's too, it's a lot. (laughs) It's, it's, it's a lot. Like you can't sustain that. Plus it's like, because he's so singularly focused and like, I would say obsessive about basketball, of course he had to take breaks. Like, I can't imagine how exhausting that must be to be so intense for that much of every single year, you know? Right. And so it's like, yeah, of course he wanted to take a break. Yeah. Yeah. And he had to, he had to climb some huge mountains. The other, I mean, look, I, I think he's the greatest player of all time. I, I don't think it's close. I don't think there's any shame in being the second greatest player of all time, clearly ahead of whoever is number three. Because I think LeBron's easily the second best player of all time. Um, and I, I also think that he's so good that there is a debate, but it's Jordan. Because if you had to play one game, if you had to play one series, you wouldn't go against Jordan. You wouldn't. Yeah. No one, I don't think anyone would. I, Michael Wilbon said on some podcast, he's like, I don't think LeBron would go against Michael Jordan in that scenario. Uh, and there, there's no harm in that. It's just uh, he was that ruthless and they were that good of a team. Like they, they kind of, he had to overcome all these obstacles. And each time he did, they added a piece to the team and he added a piece to his own offensive and defensive repertoire that helped them become airtight. And he beat like the trivia on these episodes were always fascinating to me. Like he beat seven 60 win teams. That's crazy. He beat how many hall of famers? Like those Knicks teams were were no joke. Like those teams should have won a championship. Uh, The, the Malone Stockton jazz should want every single one of those teams. If Jordan isn't there or, you know, or if Jordan doesn't, uh, if Jordan doesn't come back from his first retirement, they all win championships. Mm-hmm. The the Pacers probably beat the Jazz one of those times. The Jazz win one of them. The Sonics would have won. Oh, remember when I was telling you that I met some of those NBA players secretly, uh-huh. <laughs> which I can't talk, which I can't talk about. But I asked each of them. I was like, which NBA team that didn't win a championship from that era? do you think should have won a championship? Like which one was the best team from that era that didn't win a championship? And this really shocked me. All four of the players that I talked to, uh, two of them are hall of famers. Um, the others are like all stars or champions. All four of them hemmed and hawed talked about how, ah, it's such a difficult, so many great teams, blah, 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 blah. And, and then every single one of them said, the 94 Sonics that lost to the Denver Nuggets in the first round, the wow. first number one seed to ever lose to a number eight seed. And I was like, but 
they're a number one seed. They lost to an eight seed. And they're like, no, no, no. The matchup was just terrible. That team was the best team in the league by far that year. Everyone thought they were issuing. They, they matched up well against the Rockets. Uh, everyone was like, the 94 Sonics should have won the championship. Like, why that, Damn. that came out. That blew my mind. But That's the, crazy. My point about Jordan is that he, he made all these Hall of Famers look way less good than they were. Like, like he, he stepped all these Hall of Famers down a class, which that to me is a testament to how great he was, is that he made guys like Charles Barkley, Carl Malone, Patrick Ewing. He made them look like they were just all-stars. And they're not. They're some of the greatest players of all time. Charles Barkley in 93, that, that was some of my favorite parts of the whole you know, 10-part series. Barkley literally thought, like, I'm better than Jordan this year. He's great, but I have gotten to a point where I'm better than Jordan. And he was considered the MVP of the of the Olympics. They also don't really talk about that. But Barkley was the MVP of the, and the leading scorer of that Olympic team. And he went into the 92-93 season thinking, like, I can beat Jordan. And he yeah. just, like... He just stole it. He stole it away from all those people, whether their team was the Bulls were clearly better or whether they were evenly matched or even slightly outmatched. He just found a way every time, which definitely see in the last two episodes, you know, mm-hmm. like 97 and 98. Like yeah, I, I, I mentioned this on another episode, but I as someone who didn't know the history, it was very hard for me to follow along as the timeline was jumping around um and also maybe i'm just dumb <laughs> Could no, be another. It's, it's as complicated I, as as westworld at times like wait, yeah it just going? it because the parts of the parts of basketball that i love are like really understanding the dynamics the drama like the the rivalries like and every time i would get invested in one specific like storyline it would be like okay now we're jumping five years back <laughs> also like about this. every one of those time jumps could have been their own documentary you know yes yeah yes yeah so yeah. i think there's they're trying like 10 parts is a lot but also there's too much information for the amount of time they're trying to cover yeah De- like seeing him playing with dennis rodman and then it jumps back to when dennis rodman was on the pistons it's like kind of jarring because then i'm like wait okay right okay that's okay i'm following but i'm yeah. like i mentioned very stupid so no <laughs> i need I, it spelled it, out for me it was confusing even for me who had, who had you know like remembered a ton of this stuff i would have really? liked four i would have liked four parts on the last season and then or or, or more <laughs> i could have taken 10 parts on the last season and then like you know give us like two parts each building up to that on like each little chunk. Like even if, even if you're giving two episodes to each of the first three championship seasons, you know, or uh, I mean, I, well, but I mean, I'm a huge Bulls fan and NBA fan. So you could have given me like a 50 part series. I probably (laughs) Yeah. Is there a max number? (laughs) Seven seasons and a movie. (laughs) You might as well now, you know, we're all still watching. I know. Yeah. I would love to see the episode about him opening his steakhouse. <laughs> <laughs> I I will say one of my favorite parts of the whole thing was watching the little clips from when he was filming Space Jam and he just invited all the players to come like play with him just so he could like 
get back in shape, like on the Warner Brothers lot. And scout them too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That was amazing. And just the clip of him with all the guys in the green, um, like, you know, green screen suits. Yeah. The green screen suits. (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) Iconic. I'm almost like, I get why those guys would go to play with him, but also why would they go to play with him? Because (laughs) he's essentially just using that against them in the next season. Wouldn't you? If he invited you? Yeah. I would actually, um, I was going to show off our space jam Two basketball. Oh, amazing. Yeah. A friend of ours, uh, worked on the movie and gave us the basketball. Wow. That's awesome prized possession (laughs) it's going into our basketball shrine (laughs) (laughs) that's wow that's super cool it's just funny that like these guys are like yeah of course i'll go onto the warner brothers lot and we'll play pickup games um because i'm sure it was fun too and also like they're getting in shape and stuff but do you think the monsters were there for that (laughs) (laughs) they were i i know for sure they were okay yeah, I mean, how do you resist that if you're already in Los Angeles and he's like, I've made them build a dome on this movie lot. They're like, <laughs> oh, okay, I guess I'll go to this movie lot. <laughs> I mean, it's, Play around. it sounded amazing and the footage from it was very cool. And I also I, I also really loved all the Dennis Rodman parts. I mean, what a guy. <laughs> what a guy. It's Like he it's, just did whatever the fuck he wanted. Yeah, at a time when that didn't happen. Like, he's wearing that hat that he's wearing in this last one that just says bong on it. But (laughs) now if you wore that, people would be like, oh, that's your preferred method? I guess, you know, I would be pipe or like someone would be like vaporizer or something like, well, weed weed cartridge pen. Yeah, you know, like no one would care. You'd be like, oh, that's ironic or stupid. And then it was shockwaves. Like, you don't say that kind of stuff. Although it is, you can hear snippets of it. The media especially like all the other uh, like interview podcasts that, that are interviewing like the media figures that covered that team. That's been a little cottage industry for the last five weeks. Yeah. And, uh, and they're like everyone, almost everyone is like, man, he was a pain in the ass. God, I hated his (laughs) shtick. They really treated it like he was doing an act and they, they were so tired of it. I, at one point in the ninth or 10th episode, there's like a little close up, like an accidental close up of a sexy devil girl tattoo on his arm. And it's like people have tons of players have tattoos now, but back then no one had tattoos and he has like a naked hot devil girl Ooh. <laughs> on a national broadcast. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, it's oh. incredible. I love him. And I do have to say, um, even though this reflects poorly on me, he he was hot. <laughs> he was hot. I, mean, I forgot he was hot. Yeah, we need a two part, a two parter just on his trip to Vegas. Yeah, yes. like what happened? What? Yeah, oh, I'll get the scoop from Carmen Electra. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we gotta have Carmen on the pod. Oh my god! Imagine. <laughs> It didn't sound like she really remembered that much <laughs> based on her interviews. <laughs> no. Uh-uh. <laughs> oh, my God. My my kind of like the, the big revelation that I had 
that I think I was probably too young to see between the lines in the media was between Jerry Krause and Jerry Reinsdorf. Mm-hmm. Um, Jerry Reinsdorf really uses Jerry Krause as the bad guy. Uh, Jerry Krause is, he was a scout, you know, a great scout. He was a talent evaluator, like few, he's a hall of fame talent evaluator, but he kind of Peter principled into this general manager position without the people skills necessary, Mm -hmm. at least from, you know, what we've seen as the game has evolved. He wasn't. And so Reinsdorf was happy to make him the, the fall guy the entire time. And Reinsdorf really like, massaged this into making himself look way better than he is. I think he's worse than Krauss because he mm. knew what was doing. And he was just dangling Krauss so that Krauss would get beat up from all this stuff. And then he could be like, I told Pippen not to sign the contract. And you're like, mm, right. yeah, I bet you did. You, you know who signed, you know who ultimately signed that contract too? You did Jerry Reinsdorf. Right. Mm-hmm. You thought it was so unfair. Rip it up. Give him a better one. Yeah, he definitely threw Jer- Jerry Krause under the bus like so many times in his interviews where I was like, yeah, just as a s- viewer, I'm like, whoa, hold up. <laughs> like you own this team. Yeah, totally. Like that, that part at the end where MJ was watching him talk about why they were like shutting down and not even trying for a seventh seventh go. <laughs> That seemed it seemed very obvious. Like he didn't want to be the fall guy. He wanted to blame it on yep. Jerry Krause. And it's very that moment that you're talking about is very edited. Like Jordan gives that look and it's continuous. And then it's almost like he did he doesn't speak, but it cuts then to him like resetting and then and then saying something very diplomatic. But that <laughs> look before they cut is not diplomatic. Right. Yeah. He's like, this guy just fucking lied. <laughs> <laughs> And um, Jerry Krause is, he's passed away. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Like, I kind of felt bad through the whole thing being like, this guy can't even defend himself. Like, oh, I didn't realize that. This whole documentary is like really shitting on him. I mean, in some ways it was sympathetic towards him as well. There was moments where they were kind of showing his side of it, but like, it really um, made him the villain and... I just was like, he can't even defend himself. Like this feels wrong <laughs> documentary wise. Yeah. Well, that's maybe another part of like the, the MJ control factor over yeah. it. You know, there's probably more footage, uh, but he was, I mean, he still was a divisive figure. I, I do remember that as a kid thinking mm-hmm. like Krauss is the bad guy. I remember that media narrative and also just the way that he just didn't have, he didn't handle it gracefully. Like, you yeah. Don't, you don't say our coach could win all 82 games and he won't be hired back. That's preposterous. Like, why did he even mention that? Well, also that, that, that like booing from the championship parade was just like, that made me feel really bad for him. Phil Jackson trying to be the bigger man in the crowd, not having it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I just, yeah. Um, By the way, uh, Steve Kerr was wearing some, intense khaki shorts during the (laughs) championship rally. (laughs) They were like kind of loose and billowy. It was the 90s. (laughs) Everything was loose and billowy back then. Except the Oakleys that Pippen and Jordan are wearing. Those. (laughs) The ugliest. The ugliest models. 
They're like uh, suctioned into their eyes. God, the oh, 90s were really those. the worst for fashion. And I remember those being so expensive. Oakley's were so expensive. And you're yeah. like, man, if you want to fit in, you have to drop all that money on these trash looking sunglasses. <laughs> <laughs> um, hearing the story of Steve Kerr's dad was horrifying. Oh, yeah. my God. Did you know that? I didn't that? know about that. No. Yeah. Yeah. I remember it because he was at the U of A when it happened and it was like on the news in Tucson when I was a kid. Mm. And um, I I might be misremembering this, but I think that when they would travel, sometimes fans of opposing teams would yell Beirut at him. Yeah. Like to fuck with his head. What and I just fuck? think like how fucked up that is. That's yeah. horrible. Yeah. Poor guy. Man, I know. That I was, hate that. that was an, it was such an intense moment. Also, like Kerr, I think, obviously, I think Kerr probably comes off looking, Kerr and Pippin probably come off looking the best. I think Pippin yeah. because history treats him like a second banana and they don't, when you say like he's the best second option ever, like that doesn't really do him justice. He would absolutely destroy the league today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and he never really got a chance to properly kind of guide a team that second year when Jordan unretires, uh, you know, they hadn't re-signed Horace Grant. So like the team wasn't doing as well, but like getting what the Bulls won 62 or 63 games in 92, 93. And then they turn around and win 55 without Jordan. That's crazy yeah you lose michael jordan and you only take seven steps seven games back right you win 55 games without michael jordan what is that saying about michael jordan's presence what is that saying about pippen's greatness he really deserved mvp that year he only uh, i i went through some like huge stat uh freak stat phases while this was happening <laughs> and i'd be texting my like chicago pals or or like my sports writer friends and they're like, yeah, yeah, okay, thank you. And I'm like, no, I was on basketball reference. You don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll, give you, I'll give you one other crazy stat. Uh, Jordan's second year in the league when he breaks his foot. Remember this part? Yeah. And, and he comes back from that and he's, he's on a minutes restriction. He can only play 14 minutes a game. And he only ends up playing 18 games total that year. Most of them at the end of the year on that minutes restriction. I went and looked at his per like 36 minute, like his points per game. And then his like per 36 minute stats, his, the next year. So that was 85, 86 in 86, 87. That's the year that he scores 30. He averages 37 points a game, which is crazy. Like no one's topped that since, um, Kobe got close when he had like 35. Uh, but no one has come close to that. And then the year after that, he averages like 35 something a game. That's crazy. That's that. So those are his top two scoring years are his third and fourth years in the league. But his second year in the league, if you look at his, like his, his per 36 minutes. So what if he had been playing like a full game and not minutes restriction, he's like, in between the, that third and fourth year. So we missed out on a, a Michael Jordan season where he would have averaged 36 points a game. Oh That's my God. What we missed. And then he goes into the playoffs 
and goes absolutely bonkers against the Celtics, scores 49 and 63 in back-to-back games against one of the best teams of all time. Um, I, I thought diving into Jordan's stats and then looking at those reti- those lost retirement years and, uh, and like adding those numbers if he hadn't retired and just like take the average of what he was doing over those years, he would jump up in the like career ranks I mean, I'm obviously I'm outing myself as a stat head, but he would jump up in the career ranks in way like he'd go from like number six to number like two and like, like steals all time and things like that, that you're, you're like it, we, and he's still so great. And he lost all this time. It'd be interesting to see him in the modern game with sports science and, you know, load management and totally. its restrictions. Just how mm-hmm. he treated his body too. I mean, and just like, it seems like he would have had some longevity. Throw in some therapy in there too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Get it, get him to mellow out just a little mm-hmm. bit. <laughs> yep, yoga with Kevin Love. <laughs> All right, let, let's move on to the donkeys, which are our arbitrary awards. Or do you want to do the drop first, Gabe? Donkeys. So the du- the donkeys are arbitrary awards we give out for literally anything at all. We usually give out most points, which I feel like has to go to Michael Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, tough call. It, it really does. I mean, I'm just like, who else? Yeah, who else? Nobody. Um, I want to talk about best cameo. I mean, so many good ones in this. We've got Obama. We've got Leonardo DiCaprio. Right. We've got Jeremy Piven. (laughs) Hulk Hogan. Um, His kids. His His kids kids show up for one second. I know. (laughs) They looked, I mean, I I thought they all were like so beautiful. I was like, oh, damn. I mean, it makes sense that someone that was as handsome as him made beautiful children, but I've never seen them before. (laughs) They were like cool as hell, too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're not in the spotlight very often. And that's a great cameo choice. Yeah, I mean, but I'm kind of going with Jeremy Piven. (laughs) (laughs) No. You could take him out. I mean, I'm just an entourage head, you know? (laughs) You are an entourage head. (laughs) I'll I'll bump him for Jake from State Farm. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Jake from State Farm was all over this. Man. I mean, and there's other ones that I didn't even get. I mean, Carmen I Electra. Did you mention her? Car- yeah, no, Carmen Electra. That's a good one. I mean, I'll I'll nominate Ron Harper because he really only has that <laughs> that one like confessional when he talks about wanting to guard him when Jordan hits the shot over Elo, which is a great cameo. But that's the only thing he says. Yeah, that was a bummer. Yeah. Um, who's it going to? Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> I mean, this was peak Leonardo DiCaprio. This was like Titanic Leonardo DiCaprio when he was at his hottest. So it's got to go to him. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm making an executive decision. <laughs> I'm sorry if you guys disagree. That's a great pick. I have to say, I wish there was a whole documentary just about what Michael Jordan is like as a dad. <sighs> But it'll Ooh. never happen. Uh-uh. Yeah, I wish we learned more about his family life. I want to. 
I want to give a donkey for most intense fan to this Pacers fan lady who oh. was like screaming right behind the bench saying, in your fucking face, god damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I did not see that. <laughs> it was like right at the beginning when they show as they're starting to talk about the Pacers. Well, I also wasn't watching the uh, curse word version. <laughs> so you maybe could, it was bleeped I, out. I was watching the bleeped out version and I caught what she was saying. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was not paying attention. <laughs> I think she she popped up twice <laughs> and both times was just like frothing at the mouth. <laughs> Do you want to give a donkey out, Tim? Ooh, uh, let's see. What was my donkey? Um, I give my donkey to... Uh, <clears throat> saddest, most confused look from a Bulls player. I give it to Tony Kukoc <laughs> at the press conference when Michael Jordan first retires. He's just gotten to the team and he's, I love when they cut to him and he's like, I just got here. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> he retires. <laughs> and then they show him and he's like, he's so bummed out. He's waited like four years after he got drafted to join the Bulls. And George, he shows up and day one, Jordan retires. That's got to suck. <laughs> that is so sad. That, that one probably, every time they cut to Kukos and he's sitting there and he's like, he knows he's not going to get his proper shine in this, you know? So yeah. he's right. like, I don't know why you're here. Michael going to make it about Michael. <laughs> <laughs> I love him. I I didn't really know anything about Tony Kukoc until we watched a couple old games. And I just think he's the cutest, like, nicest young man. Even now, like, in his current interview, oh. I was like, oh, he's so sweet. And, like, the sad thing is, is that, like, right as his, his like, kind of, you, you know, because he, he played a ton. He started playing when he was in his teens overseas. So he got here and he already had a lot of wear and tear on his body um, in still at a time when like the NBA was super physical. So he couldn't handle that defensively. Like he'd never seen anything like that. And he wasn't built for it. He's built for today's game. Like he would have been, eh, maybe people would, would disagree with me, but I think he'd be like a Dirk Nowitzki. He was, mm, wow. he was a better passer than Dirk Nowitzki. Like he, he would carve up the NBA today. And I think defensively today's game doesn't ask as much defensively from players. So I think he'd right. be fine on the defensive mm. end. He was, yeah, he, he, to me is underrated. He's the sixth man of the year in the, the 72 win season. Um, oh, wow. and he, he would like keep them in games, uh, in, you know, anytime like Jordan would go to the bench. If Jordan ever played less than 40 minutes, which wasn't super often in the playoffs, but still like Ku coach was, like he's what gave them the matchup nightmares. They were going, they could go small, they could go physical and big, they could go physical and small, they could go just super long and like good shooting. And Kukoc was ahead of his time. So it's weird. It's weird to go back and see him now. I don't know. The one part about the documentary, I'm like, you not like give these guys their, their due, you know, like show the good Judd Bushler games. Judd Bushler saved their ass a couple times, you know? Where's the so Judd Bushler doc? <laughs> he barely gets to talk in this. Also, he was like a like semi-pro volleyball player. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. He was a stud sand beach volleyball player. Nice. Yeah. All right. I want to give the coming in clutch award donkey to um, MJ's mom for forcing him to 
make a partnership with Nike. (laughs) 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 Like, imagine the dollar amount that she's personally responsible for. Also, she changed the shoe game entirely. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. (laughs) Gabe, do you have any donkeys? Um, Yeah, I locked in on my donkey back in episode six. Um, I want to give the future Twitter troll award to this kid. (laughs) (laughs) The kid who yells, don't take it personally, Charles, to Charles Barkley after... uh, (laughs) After the son's lost. <laughs> oh my god! I love That's that. So amazing, <laughs> amazing. Who wins? Uh, I think um, Michael Jordan's brand does. Okay. <laughs> Michael yes. Jordan and Company. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. Um, there's so much more that we could have talked about with this documentary, but honestly, just go watch it. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> watch so, it. It's so good. The editing, the music, like everything was ama- amazing. Um, I cried. I cried during the the dad part. It was so sad when Steve uh, Kerr when they were like, "Did you guys ever talk about your dead dads?" And he was like, "No." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, no so, we didn't. Yeah. It was it was emotional and the, like seeing seeing MJ like sobbing after he wins after that was very emotional as well. Anyways, watch oh. it if you haven't watched it. It's great. Um, let's move on to our mail basket. You got, got mail. mail. Today we have an email from our friend Chris N from the band Permanent Makeup. We recently talked about creating basketball songs and we called him out specifically because we know he has a band and he's a talented boy. Um, and he, boy, did he deliver? He says, Hey, Dunktown. So producer Gabe called my ass out in an episode a couple weeks ago to produce a basketball related track. So I did it. I've been wanting to start this solo project for a while. So this gave me an opportunity. Thanks. I definitely named some players and also called the shitty devos. I know I like to bury vocals a bit, so I'm including the lyrics. Love y'all. Bye. Great. Let's hear it. So Chris says that um, the he he's like I know I kind of you can't hear my lyrics so he included his lyrics which starts out Aaron Gordon slam dunks Jonathan Isaac gets Katie comparisons Mo Bamba has potential <laughs> the Magic is not my favorite team St Petersburg to Orlando is a hell drive but that's not the reason. The Orlando Magic is the closest team to me geographically. <laughs> That's the name of the song, too. <laughs> the last line. Um, beautiful. 
Beautiful. Thank you so much, Chris. So Bravo. funny. We'll link to uh, to the band camp uh, in the show notes with the song, and it has all the lyrics to the song as well. He goes off and talks about, like, Betsy DeVos, who owns the team. Uh, <laughs> it's a good song. Yeah. And the cover art is by his wonderful wife, Susan. Shout out to her, too. Amazing. Um, if you want to send us something, it better be as cool as that. Um, and our email is hi at dunk.town. <laughs> You can also call us at 903-420-DUNK. Tell us about your favorite team, your favorite players, anything. I mean, it doesn't even have to be basketball related. You can just tell us about what's going on in your world. Are you We're making curious. banana bread? We want to know. Um, you know, world's fucking nuts right now. Tim, thank you so much for being here. What a treat. Hey, my pleasure. Great, great way to digest the the end of this beautiful documentary series. It really yeah. was. Is there anything Thank you'd you. like to plug? Uh, you know, I I guess I'll just plug all the story threads that didn't get enough shine in this documentary series because of MJ's brand. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Which probably That's a great plug. Kuko, Ron Harper, Steve Kerr, Jerry Reinsdorf is actually the villain. <laughs> Stuff like that. <laughs> and everyone should follow you on Instagram and uh, you're Twitter. On, and on Twitter. Yeah, I think I'm like Tim Baltz and Tim underscore Baltz on one or the other. I forget which. You just you'll find him. You know yeah, how to do this, people. And watch the Righteous Gemstones if you haven't seen the first season. And who knows when the next one will continue? But it's insanely <laughs> yeah. funny. Keep an eye on. Such it's a good it's very good. I really <laughs> loved it. Oh, thank you. Um, Anastasia, is there anything you'd like to plug? Yes. I There's a new show on HBO called Betty. It's about a bunch of young women skateboarders in New York. And I absolutely love it. It reminds me of me as a young skateboarder punk kid in uh, Tucson. Not as cool as New York City, but... <laughs> But uh, it's kind of like the movie Kids, but not as fucked up and scary. It's more like um, just kind of what it's like to be a girl skateboarder. And everyone should watch it. I love it. Amazing. Do you have something you like to plug, Agata? Yeah, mine's also a TV show. It's called Normal People on Hulu. Um, it's about horny Irish teens. <laughs> Well, they start out as teens. They get, then they go to college. It's not it's not inappropriate, uh, but it's really good. It's just a, a really well done show. I love it so much. It really is. Gabe, do you have something you want to plug? Uh, this week, uh, I think I might be a little late to this, but I started listening to this podcast, Dead Eyes. Um, it's uh, Connor Ratliff uh, did this podcast about getting fired by Tom Hanks in the two thousands, and it's just really well done. It's like kind of a documentary, but it's funny. And it like is a lot about like the process of auditioning and getting acting roles. But it also is like, I don't know, it, it it's like eight 30 minute episodes. So you could get through it in an afternoon, probably. Nice. I recommend it. Amazing. All right. Cool. Um, thanks again to our guest and thanks to all of our cutie listeners for coming on this journey with us we love you love you bye bye 
follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Dunktown Podcast. I am on Twitter at Echo underscore Mint and on Instagram Agata Monica. Anastasia is on both as Anastasia Vigo. Check out our website. It's dunk.town. If you like the show, write us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It really helps us and we really appreciate it. We have t-shirts, stickers, and hoodies available for sale at dunk.town slash store. Thank you to Andrea Tomingas for all of your design work. Thank you to Andrew Clotworthy for our original theme song. 